Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Martial Parts, the only podcast where we talk about different parts of martial arts. I am your co-host, Brent Lacey. And I am your other co-host, Nolan Lacey. Uh, we have in the studio tonight with us a very special guest. We have uh, Master Tim Watson from Evolution Martial Arts. Hey, guys. What's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Definitely. Thanks for being here. Should we, should we call you Master Watson or Tim for just call Please, just call me Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so Tim is also um, a practitioner and an instructor of Tang Sudo, which is the same style that I am. Um, and we've, we've crossed paths many times in the past couple of decades and then really started chatting and hanging out within, I don't know, past eight, eight years, something like that. Yeah, something like that, 2014, somewhere around yeah. there. We ran into each other a lot at Worlds yes. a bunch. That was the one tournament where we'd overlap since like 2000 or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Went back yeah. when you had long hair. <laughs> right. <laughs> then we decided right. we should probably actually talk. <laughs> one, one of my friends always always called you Thor. He's like, look, there's Thor. <laughs> <laughs> when the beard was more pronounced. Yeah, right? it, was, it was Pat. Pat always called you Thor. Like, the hell, mm. there's the guy. There's Thor. <laughs> It's crazy to think you've been doing this so long that it's been in every stage of your hair development. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Had bald hair, long hair, dreadlocks. I found a, I found an old picture at a regional tournament where I'm uh, centering and I've got a mohawk with it like shaved on either side, like straight straight punk down the middle there. That was good. Our our regional director didn't care for that too much. But <laughs> nothing in the handbook about a mohawk. That's right. <laughs> I, I got out of my colored hair phase before I started martial arts. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, on our show, we uh, we kind of do a little roundup of what's been going on in people's training regimen, training life, um, transition into any, like, deep dive after that. So, Nolan, why don't, why don't we start with you, and then we'll, we'll kind of arc over to Tim. Uh, what's What's been going on with your training these days? Everything's kind of got a weird lens on it for these past couple of episodes. Yeah, a, a lot different. of the training I've had to be doing like everybody else is mostly alone just because you can't really get into schools or clubs um in florida some clubs are allowed to open um i know a lot of other martial arts schools are open and like specifically jujitsu schools i don't know why that was in the memo that they sent out but they're all open so that's cool but one of the instructors at the school he and i have been doing some private lessons um you know just we both are healthy and staying on top of it and not going to the larger classes and practicing social distancing and everything like that. So we've, we've been able to do gear drill where we're both, you guys are, you guys are practicing in person now, just me and him one-on-one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there are some classes, not classes. It's really just, they open up the backyard at the studio and, um, they put up Pels, which are just, they have actual tires. Mine's just a piece of wood. Um, and they set them, six to 10 feet apart and people get some training in, but it's not a, an organized class. It's more on your own and some critique of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is just me and the other guy. Um, we put on our masks and our, our jackets, uh, for protection one, cause swinging swords, you kind of need it. And two, just the added benefit of having something covering our face, uh, to practice, which uh, brings me to a topic that I hadn't really thought about during all of this, especially since it's the summer months, is uh, heat heat fatigue or heat stroke or heat sickness. I uh, kind of fell out today. 
Oh, so, really? yeah, huh. yeah. Um, I I thought I had had enough water, and uh, we only do half hour sessions, so I figured I'd I'd be you know good enough with my water intake and all my salts and stuff. I, you know, I try and pay attention to it to do a half hour session in the sun <laughs> in uh, a padded jacket and be okay. And uh, 26, 27 minutes in, I just like we're setting up again, and I just tossed my helmet off and started taking my jacket and laid down because I I couldn't couldn't do it. So Tim Nolan is very Yang. I don't I don't know if I need to point that out. <laughs> I can't, I try to explain that to him. He does he, he's not familiar with the concept. But if, if, by the end of the episode, I'm going to ask you again. You're like, oh no, this dude's way too Yang. <laughs> it's like all Yang. <laughs> Where was I going with that? Um, so. Being out in the sun reminds me of the endurance workouts that you guys do in Region Eight at your adult Don Camp. Yes, um, I've 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 had the privilege to visit. I think I think I'm into three so far. Okay. And uh, middle of the day, the middle of the day on Saturday, they have a calisthenics workout in the middle of a football field in it- your. In your gear. In, in the middle the of June. In the <laughs> middle of June. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. And the, the year I did it, it was a, it was a prison workout where they, they assign a exercise to each suit in a card deck. Oh, yeah. Things like burpees, push-ups, jump front kicks. Or, I forget what the other one was. And then whatever card you pulled, you had to do that number. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't... I don't, I, don't I, I, stayed, I stayed standing up, but I definitely lost some steam by the end of it. There, there, there's been some some bad ones that I've been a part of one that was the, the like a hundredth anniversary of the burpee. That was a bad one. <laughs> there was another one where we, it's like the burpee was invented in 1920 yeah. and people before that would like show them <laughs> jump down to a push up and they just like flat on the ground. Cause they don't know how to do a burpee yet. Or yeah, something. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the story that I always hear, this was before my time. My wife has told me where, they would line everyone up and they go, what are you doing here? So Master Brit wants you on the other uh, field. And Ed, all 300 people would run to the other field. And then he go, what are you doing here? Why, why aren't you over with Master Casarano? Get back over there. <laughs> and this would, this would go on for 45 minutes of them nice. running, getting back in line, doing an exercise, running back. Um, they don't do that anymore. <laughs> but... So I've, I've been to, like I said, a three. And the first one I went, I was, I had just finished my first year of um, master's camp, mm-hmm. master's clinic. So that year I was still a Samdan and I was, uh, I, had, I had the privilege of doing that workout. And then the following year that I attended, I had been promoted and I found out there's a, there's a leadership class that takes place at the exact same time as that. Yes. It's inside the gym with the fans on. And I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> I get it." We did some. I think we did some um, some hot keto basics with yes. um, Master Godwin, but uh, it was inside, out of the sun. So I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll take this one. This, be, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is great. Stay in school, kids." That's right. <laughs> so Tim, you mentioned uh, your wife, uh, Mrs. Master Watson. Yes. Also, also a, an instructor with you, and she has she been in it longer than you. She has, yeah. She started. I think she started in like 1998 or 97. Mm-hmm. Um, I started in 2001. So, did 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 she like? Did y'all know each other before then, or did you meet? We meet. We met through the martial arts. The year that I started in 2001 was the year she went to medical school. 
Mm-hmm. And she actually taught and trained at the world headquarters for our group was in Philly, Nolan. But she would come home on the weekends and help teach. So we were friends through that and she would come home and train. And I still remember my early tournaments. There was a couple guys that she used to train in Philly and be like, oh, these guys, they're really good. They're going to give you the uh, run for their, your money. And it's just like, in my head, I'm going, I'm going to beat these guys. <laughs> these guys are goners. And then when she finished medical school, she graduated from medical school. She moved back to Delaware and we started hanging out more. And that's kind of went from there. <laughs> You've got two beautiful daughters. That's right. Yeah. Riley, uh, she's a she's a black belt, my oldest. And then my, I have a youngest, Avery, who's eight. So, Is Avery in it or is she not? Yeah, she, she, yeah, she trains as well. So you're cool. talking about things that are happening now. It's been weird. We started... I guess mid-March was the when the shutdown occurred. Mm-hmm. So basically, I've been teaching in my basement. We we have a we have a exercise room. So that's become my my office, I guess you could say, as far as yeah. martial arts go. So I set up the tablet and uh, anything else I'm recording with, and I teach classes, Zoom classes, and Facebook Live classes from there every night. So how how is your studio splitting that up? Are you are you keeping like the same schedule as before? It's just those no. groups go online or we we've broken it up uh, a little bit. So we'll do like the beginners and the younger kids in one class. And with Zoom, you can use the breakout rooms, so we break them up. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the older kids, we'll start them together and then break them up, split them up. We do stuff in the afternoon where it's broken down more by rank. Mm-hmm. So there's smaller groups so we can teach them the curriculum and stuff. But uh, June 1st, so starting on Monday, we're going to be able to go back in a, in a limited capacity. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. How have you, while you've been doing this online, how, how do you give the, the, I feel like the, sometimes the lines of communication are a little different because when you're in the studio and somebody is messing up or doing something incorrectly, you can, there's a tactile relationship I can I can move you into the right spot so you're doing it correctly. How have you guys had to address that? At first, it was kind of tough. Honestly, if you just yell a kid's name and tell them to switch their feet <laughs> or put the other hand up, they're pretty good about it. The hardest part is, and I don't know if you've come with this, when I'm teaching, I have to do everything in mirror. and You can do that yeah. to a certain point in person-to-person training. But if I'm doing a form, I'm teaching a form over video, I have to do everything backwards. Yeah, you got to do the mirror image of the yeah. form. The, yeah. the lower forms are easy. It's when you get up to the higher forms that are a little you tougher. Basai on the mirror side. Yeah, Basai, <laughs> yeah. trying to do Basai backwards. Uh, 52. Oh, speaking of that, I, I, I take us on a tangent for a second. Do you know uh, Master Sai Jenna? Yes. I, he, he trained at Region 7 for like, Three years? Sure. About 10 years ago uh, when they were living in Virginia Beach. And he came to our regionals and the masters were doing a demonstration for regionals. And this was before um, I think I was Edon at the time. So I didn't I didn't know what was going into that that training. And all the masters were doing their senior level forms. Some of I had seen my instructor do before. Somebody was doing Rohai, something like that. And he's – first off, he's got his baby on his back. He's got a, a kid carrier. <laughs> And he's got the kid strapped to his back, and he's doing a demonstration at the time. Um, and he's doing this form, and I swear, like, I'd seen some of these moves before. There was, like, a bunch of you punches. 
but I didn't I didn't know the form. There's a lot of crescent kicks. I was <laughs> like, what what is that? I talked to him later, and he was doing Basai backwards. Okay. He was starting with the last move. He was doing the moves like forward, like in the correct motion. Right. But he started with the last move and then did the move before that. So I just that just blew my mind. So I had to go back and start relearning all my <laughs> stuff. Like, can, can you do it backwards now? <laughs> I've, I've done a couple but, forms like that. Not that one. That's it's fifty-two moves long. That's it's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> one thing he did mention to me was once you've done it backwards, another neat trick. And it, I I feel there's a lot of master home check coming through where he's just disassembling everything and putting it back together. Is he said uh, you do the first move of the form and then the last move and then the second move and then the penultimate move oh. and then you do you go back and forth until you meet in the middle. <laughs> It's too much you thinking. A lot of time on your hand. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you're in it 30 years, eventually you're going to run out of stuff to do. So you know, find, find something new. Here, here's a question for you guys teaching class over the internet from younger students or, or less experienced students. Um, my instructors have been kind enough to accept videos. So I'll, I'll run through some flow drills or, or start working on a very specific technique. And if I feel like I'm messing it up, I'll video myself doing mm-hmm. it five, ten times in a row and send it to an instructor and have them critique it. Do you do anything like that with your students? Do you have any students really sending you videos of a kick that they're not getting, a form that they're not completing, any issues like that? I mean, do you do you guys have any parallels, I guess? I, yes. Not as much. And I've I've every time I teach a class... I tell people as much like, hey, if you have a problem with something, shoot me a video of what you're doing and I'll look at it. And not a lot of people have taken advantage of that, surprisingly. Mm. We did a couple of videos. I'm sure you saw the the videos of like the virtual fight scenes or... <laughs> or it's two people on different screens. Yeah, or like yeah. We, we did forms, so we splice it together. So one person will do three moves and then it switches to the next person. So we told the people that if you send in the video... We'll send you feedback based on that. And so mm-hmm. over two or three days, my wife and I went through all the videos and we sent them a video back saying, hey, your form is great. Here's the few things you can work on. So I do like that because you can stop and rewind and go back. If it's, if it's live, it's hard to do that. I mean, you could make them do it again, but then what's everybody else in the class doing right then? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't had anybody send stuff in, but I have encouraged it. Um, I haven't made it like a requirement because I feel like that, that's a whole other set of skills that we don't really practice that the, the, like recording and uploading and editing or sending. Yeah. That sort of thing. That a, a lot of that is from my rowing background as far as like that sort of critique. Um, I'm not sure it really, I mean, I guess it works in martial arts. I've, I've gotten some good feedback from my coaches on my grip or like if my, tip on my sword is trailing and I'm not actually getting good cuts or if my feet aren't in the right position. But I I feel like there's a lot of other sports that slowing it down and showing it because martial arts is so fast that, okay, you slow down somebody doing a kick at full speed. How do you adjust that individually? I mean, like in class, I guess I could see you put them on a bag and you make them do it over and over again. And you, you put it where it needs, you know, your hand or your leg where it needs to go. But over the internet, has that caused any issues? Do you feel like people are getting frustrated not getting that instruction? I think sometimes they do. Frustrated, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Um, especially with the younger kids. 
We've done a lot of private lessons, so that helps. So if we do a one-on-one, -on -one, it's a little easier. We can go at a slower pace if we're working on something something specific. But uh, yeah, it's it's tough. It it's a hard. What do you think suffers the most in in this environment? I mean, sparring, obviously. Yeah. Doing doing one step sparring. So what we will do a defense against a punch, and we'll do some sort of counter to it. It's what you did with Charlie, Nolan. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> my my one tongue. Yeah, he did. He came into the class with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so those things, you know, I was talking with my wife today. She has a a meeting to talk about don testing and trying to figure out a, a modification. What what that means? Not making any contact with someone. <laughs> so you guys are looking at at utilizing this format for don testing? No, no. But doing a a don test. Like we have the Don test at our Dojang and we can mm -hmm. zoom in instructors or, or have a certain number of people come in. Once we go to yellow, I think now it's 10 people we can, we're allowed. Once we go to yellow, it's. Oh, you guys have colors. We have numbers in our state. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's. You're, yeah, you're it's, doing the color thing. <laughs> Florida, no one, you guys are doing shapes, right? You're at, you're at triangle level. And yeah. I, we're going to go to Octagon soon. Octagon's like the safest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's when the cage fighting is allowed. <laughs> exactly. You got it. <laughs> got it. So full, full circle is like the safest, right? Most, that's right. Most number of sides possible. Infinite Or least, least number, so maybe that's the most dangerous. <laughs> so you guys are going back in, in June. How do you, you said you're excited about that. Have you, are you guys modifying anything? Like what's, what's the dojang look like in this? So we are only allowed 10 people per class. Yeah. What's... It's like 10 for me is great. What's that? What's that normally for, for you guys? <laughs> well, our, before all this happened, our student count was about 225. We've definitely lost a lot of the younger kids. A lot of the, the families have put their memberships on hold. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens when they come back. What we're going to do is the way our, we have a pretty big studio and we basically have two, two sides so they can act as you know their own their own thing. So you got you got ten in each. Correct. Oh, that's cool. They have their own exit, you know, entrance, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I can be teaching at the same time as as Joe is teaching on the other side. So we can at least have twenty people. So we're gonna do it's like a forty five minute class, then fifteen minutes to clean, then usher in another class, and just work that. What does that entail? You guys wiping down all the all the targets, right? The floor, well, you know, sort of thing? mop the floor clean the handles of everything. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. That's something that was real real nerve-wracking. We're we're looking at next month doing some outdoor bow staff classes just cuz you can be at a distance and still interact with somebody with that. Sure. Um but like making the jump from that to self-defense where like your your hands are on somebody else. Right. Um it's it's something that I've just been given a lot of thought to like I mean, once once you've said like I'm going to do self-defense like there's really nothing, there's really no, it doesn't matter if you're wearing a mask or not. Like if my sweat's all over you and we're like rolling on the floor. Yeah. So it's kind of a hard line, you know. We also have uh, an instructor that teaches Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in our studio mm. as well. So I'm not sure what exactly is going to happen with that or, or when he's going to, maybe they'll come in and drill and just do calisthenics and practice. Yeah, because you can still work a lot of that that core work even if you don't have a partner sure yeah there's definitely so stuff that you can drills. do 
Mm. Our um, our instructors, one of the instructors at our school decided that, like Brent wanting to do the bow staff training, that they were going to do some spear classes, which is good in theory, but like the first two panels of the Meyer spear, the book that we teach out of, are like, thrust them through the belly button and pick them up on your spear. So you get real sure. close really sure. quick. Mm. So <laughs> that uh, that distance that you think you're gaining because of the eight-foot piece of wood is just completely negated by the time you're actually training with it. You have to bring, a, bring your own hay bale, and that'll <laughs> toss them into that. Yeah. So, Timmy, you mentioned you guys have a, a BJJ instructor at your studio. You've, you've also studied jiu-jitsu for quite some time, right? Yes. So in 2007, I started and I probably did it for about three years then. And then the problem with doing it for, for me is I've been a full-time martial arts instructor like Tung Sudo since 2005. So I teach pretty much every night, Monday through Thursday. There's not a lot of schools that do any uh, daytime classes. They're, they're few and yeah. far between. So, you know, it's really depended on... Hard to find a spot. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of done it on and off since 2007. Of those, what, 13 years, I've probably actively trained for probably seven or eight of them. Mm-hmm. And the way it works now, it's nice. We, we end classes at eight and they typically start, they do a class from eight to nine or an eight to nine thirty. So do you have totally separate classes or is there ever any mix lead over? We've done a little bit of mix, but mostly it's, it's separate. It's funny. There hasn't been much overlap, which yeah. I was kind of surprised about because the Tina doll classes right before that, I would have thought that there'd be some interest, but it's actually been fairly yes, little. With our black belts at, at my studio, it, a lot of the times um, we mix in a bunch of different styles. Like I, I only, I only have a black belt in, in Tong Sudo, but I've, I've done a little BJJ, a little Hapkido, um, Tai Chi off and on a little Aikido for a couple months. So definitely not like proficient or an expert in any of those, but like I've seen enough moves to where like we can practice just this kind of one little concept. Um, and I've found that some of the, some of the adults really like to see that overlap. Cause if you, if you do enough of them, you kind of see like there's, there's differences, but there's a lot of similarities too, and like how, how the body mechanics work. Um, and even some of our curriculum-based stuff kind of bleeds into Hapkido a little bit, and then the last couple of uh, self-defense techniques are almost uh, jujitsu in, in nature, whether it's like the li- you know, limb-to-limb grappling instead of, instead of striking. But you're not, you're not seeing any of that, that interest there? We do it every now and then. I'll throw it mm-hmm. in a class, and people will like it in that you know in that seven to eight o'clock time frame. But getting them to then stay for another hour to do—that's true. I guess just that. Have a lot to do with that. Hey, yeah. I'm gonna throw a grown man on you, and he's gonna try to choke you or break your arm. <laughs> uh, I'll Go pass. for it. So did you find it was easier to pick up your second style than your first? Kind of like learning a new language. Not really. Uh, I mean, I guess to some sort. Uh, maybe a little bit when you talk about possibly like dexterity of your limbs, like having control over stuff. Mm. A lot of times defense is pulling your arms in, right. you know, and we kind of that, so that's kind of program that's programmed in, but you know, an arm arm barring someone is different <laughs> as opposed to just using your arms. 
You're going right. to swing your legs up and around. So I guess maybe a little bit, but it's still a completely different world. This this might be kind of naive just because I've watched a lot of kung fu movies. But the mustache has to come down past your Oh, yeah, you got you to gotta pull it down <clears throat> and <clears throat> flick it. Um, do you guys, when you're interested in, in seeing another style of martial arts, do you... Do you kind of jump into the deep end and, and find another black belt or another master and say, like, I want to try this out against what you're doing and, and see if there's a difference in body mechanics? Or do you go in and just say, like, I want to start at the bottom, treat me like anybody else, and uh, let me see if I can progress through this? I don't... Um, a, a lot of the stuff I've, I've been to, it's, it's seminars as a Tang Sudo practitioner. So like the guy teaching the class already knows my background, mm-hmm. but the few schools that I've gone to, I don't, I don't mention it. Uh, I, I don't go in saying like, Oh, I'm a black belt. I want to test you out your tough guys. But I, you know, <laughs> I don't, if they ask, I'll tell them my, my background, but I just yeah. kind of come in just saying, I want to, I want to check out what you got. And I found with a lot of places, like if the instructor has been around a while, like he'll know, he'll pick up quickly. Like, okay. Like you, like, like Tim, like you were saying, like, even though you don't know the style, like I can tell you know where you're putting your your arms and your legs. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to this Aikido place and we do like rolls for like 20 minutes at the beginning of class. And, you know, in Tang Sudo we do tons of rolls. So I was like, all right, cool. Like I got rolls. Like I didn't, I wasn't <laughs> showing off or anything. I was like, all right, we'll do, we'll do rolls. And the guy talked to me afterwards. He's like, oh, you, you've done, you've done these. I was like, yeah, no, I've done, I've done a few rolls <laughs> here and there. But uh, I try to not, I don't, I don't want to draw any attention to myself. I know it looks cool in the movies when like the guy comes in, like going through the double doors, like give me, <laughs> give me your toughest guy. But yeah. at, the, at the same time, you're not just going to like trip over your feet. <laughs> you're like, right. Just right. so you can look like a, a beginner. I'm not going to botch it. Yeah. I have thought about that though. Go into open tournaments and just registering under a, like whatever. Cause they don't, I mean, there's, you know, they don't check that it's like, there's no federal governing body, so right. you can sign up under whatever. Just going in as like a green belt, like throwing the first round and then hustling all the way up to the. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, haven't been that ambitious yet. So. Yeah, the problem with that is is with open tournaments, you'd be there till like eight thirty at night. Right. So it would totally not be worth the the joke. The jokes people, on you. People would pick up on it, right? <laughs> so. With your whole family training, can can you can you tell us a little bit about that? My my wife has been in it for about two years, and I, and I try to not make it sound. I try to make not make it seem like I want her to do the stuff I'm doing. Instead, it's like we're kind of doing this stuff together. You know, I try to I try to take off the instructor hat as soon as we leave the dojang mm-hmm. and put on the husband hat because I feel like you try to wear those two at the same time. <laughs> like that's. That's a recipe for disaster, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's it been weird, but it, it cool at the same time for years. So I taught at a dojang up in Pennsylvania for years, and Aaron always came and took classes under me. And I'd just be like, you, you want to take class? You know, do you want to teach? She's like, no, I'm here, to, I'm here to take class with you. And I was like, yeah, but she's like, just go, just go teach class. <laughs> and so that... Honestly, that gave me a lot of confidence because her and, and one of her friends, 
know if you remember Gary Kirk. He he was in our group at Masters Clinic, like big big giant bald guy. Um. <laughs> mm, yeah, I think he roundhouse kicked me in the ribs for your free spar. <laughs> that's probably that sounds about right. Um, yeah, they would come and train with with me, and I, I you know I was a, a second degree black belt, and they were both like long time third degree black belts, and you know that gave me confidence. And then we would leave, and and it would just go back to normal because I, I I guess I never really considered me considered me her instructor because I wasn't. She would take right. class, and and she has taken class with me hundreds of times. But we hit pretty good. People were like, oh, your fights are are probably really bad. It's like, no, we actually don't like sparring each other. <laughs> oh yeah, my my wife won't spar me anymore. Um, in, in class, she's like, nope. Like to the instructor, I'm the instructor. She's like, no, sir, I'm not sparring you. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> to be fair, you have 20 years more experience. Well, but than I don't just does. wail on her in the ring. I mean, I, I spar with her like I spar any other. Right, like so anyone if, that would be her equivalent rank. Yeah, if you're dropping your hands, I'm gonna I'm I'm tell you one time, and then I'm gonna show you the second time. But um, I found out that doesn't work with your wife. So. <laughs> I just have her spar somebody That's else. Right. Time to spar. So yeah, it's it's cool. It's Right now with uh, quarantine, it's hard because there was one night where my kid was like, I don't, I don't want to be on video with you. I don't want to be the instructor tonight. I was like, well, you're not the instructor. You're, you're my <laughs> helper. You know what I mean? Like, she's there doing stuff, so I don't have to. When we first started doing them, it was just Facebook Live. So, you know, it was me basically talking to my phone. A one-way one street. Right. Yeah. And I'm in a room and it's quiet and I'm not just going to stand there and go, okay, you do a low block, ready? Low block. And I'm just going to stand there. So right. I was, <laughs> one, <laughs> two. I was doing these 30 minute classes and it was like, I was probably in pretty good shape. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was doing these classes that I get done. Yeah, and I'm just being yeah. exhausted because one, I'm doing everything. And two, I have to manufacture my energy. Right. You're not getting any feedback. Yeah. When class. you're, when you're in a class, you feed off of other people whether you're in class or teaching class, <laughs> at least in zoom, you can, you have everyone on mute, but you see them moving around or punching and mm. that's something. And it's like, all right, they're doing something cool. So my kids, my kids are over at the, at, over at, at this point. They're, you know, the whole, all the events have pretty much been canceled up through July. Yeah. So that's, that's a bummer, but it, you know, normally it's cool because everyone's in the martial arts. Aaron's in the martial arts. So if I go away to master's clinic, she's coming with me. If I go to black belt camp, she's coming. So that part's cool in that I don't have to explain why I'm going away for the weekend. Right. And I'm, yeah. I, I'm assuming that gets old after a while if, if you're both not part of the same world. That's kind of why... I end up dragging my wife into it it's like well i'm gonna be going every weekend anyway like you might as well <laughs> you're gonna be hanging out with me for the rest of our lives like no, no reason why you shouldn't come too yeah but, I... but don't worry i won't spar you when <laughs> when savannah and i were in college we rode together and we actually competed in the same boat a couple of times we would do like a mixed a mixed boat that was that was no. a bad idea on our part um but now Sounds that... like a road trip compressed into like 30 minutes yep yeah, yeah, because yeah, it it would always be like we're coming up on a turn or something, and I would start turning, and I'm supposed to be the one who's steering, and she'd be like, "Not yet, you can't turn yet. We're not gonna make. It. You can't do that. We have a boat coming." So like, 
Yeah, it was not. It was <laughs> we we got medals at every single race that we did together. Wasn't worth it. Yeah. Um, but now that I'm in a, a completely different sport, uh, I keep trying to get her excited about it because I want to go to competitions. And and like you said, having to explain why you're going to a competition. And she's she's supportive. She wants to see me fight. But it it, it is draining to to explain to someone like, no, I'm I'm passionate about this. I want to go do this have fun sitting in bleachers and watching me get the shit kicked out of me for a couple hours. My, my grandmother for years, when, once I became a full-time martial arts instructor, she would always ask me when I was going to get a real job. Nice. <laughs> it's like, when are you going to get a real job? It's like, I get paid this for real doing job. what I love. Like, you know, it's, it, it's tough to, and I, it goes for anything, not just martial arts, but when you're really passionate about something and someone just looks at you like, I don't get it. <laughs> Why you're oh, into fine. that? They don't get it, but you get it. Yeah. Right. Do you, how is how is this you know, how with with COVID and everything, how have you had to reflect on I don't think business model is the right word, but like you, you know, it's possible to be a full-time martial artist and support yourself and your family, but it just takes something like this where like you can you can just be turned off overnight, you know what I mean? Have you guys thought about how to how to bolster that going forward? Are you going to try to keep some virtual aspect of this so that there's some untouchable part of it that can't be shut down in a crisis? I don't know. Um, the virtual part, it's good in that you know you can you can connect with someone and not be in the same place. Mm-hmm. It's just not the same. It's it's exhausting, right? Yeah. Like doing private lessons and things like that. So. We're going to, once we do classes live, we're going to continue to stream them for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep, we do like, like I said, some block lessons during the day. We're going to keep those again, probably at least through the summer. You know, may they, might they stay? Yes. But at the end of the day, if you want to continue to train and, and progress and rank and things like that, you got to show up at the studio. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, both of you having your own schools and having to deal with this, posting your lessons online. I'm sure your your Facebook groups are private or at least moderated. But does it feel like you are giving instruction away without, like if somebody just decided to find your feeds and teach themselves Tong Soo Do, do you feel like you were just giving it away or? I mean, I'd love them to cut me a check, but... <laughs> Is it, you know, my philosophy and Tim, you might differ on this. Like I'm not, it's not coming from me. I didn't come up with this. Yeah. You you know, I'm just, I'm just passing it along. So if you got it from my feed or if you got it from Tim's feed or if you got it from a textbook, like, I don't, I don't think that really matters. Like if, if you think that you came up with your own new thing and you have rights to it. Cool, cool for you. I haven't, I haven't come up with any stuff where I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally new and nobody's ever done that before. There's only so many ways you can hit somebody. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I do think you know Facebook and stuff is being a little inundated with everybody posting their their forms and stuff, and I think that's great that everybody's passionate about it. But you're right. Like how many, you know, how many videos of your first form are you going to watch? From it was almost like why why am I recording my stuff? I know there's 13 other instructors out there also doing that. Like just 
just go watch that. You know what I mean? Well, uh, it, it could be that you explain it in a way that somebody understands it. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. a that's a totally different conversation for more the, the, the pedagogy of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we have four or five different instructors and not all of like I don't pick up everything that one says and maybe one will come by and, and just give a little note and that completely changes everything about the lesson because their instruction made more sense. Right. So having that access online, you know, getting five or six master instructors putting videos up, they can piece together a lot of information without ever without ever having actually entered a class. Do you guys have a like a paywall or something Tim or is it are you regulating that? these days uh, so we we actually put our beginners classes on like the regular like page so if you go to evolution karate academy there was a class tonight you can if you wanted to take that class it's there if you go to our youtube we have the recordings of all of our classes mm-hmm. you can you can do them and if someone wanted to do that by all means if they feel like they can piece together the training to yeah, it's hard when you can't ask questions. Correct, yeah. and you know. it's it's hard. I mean, you can find out like, oh, at this rank, I need this, that, and the other thing. But you know, just like me, if I'm if I teach a class, you know, I'm not going to teach every class and be like, okay, this is what you need for white belt. This is what you need for orange belt, right? So every class is going to be different. You could take them all and get some sort of understanding, but you've got to have some some bit of context that right. comes from the repetition of being in front of the instructor. I feel like a lot of this is dependent upon the fact that we are assuming this is going to be a temporary thing. Whether it is or not, that's not the discussion we're having. Right. But if if, you know, if you knew for example like I'm going to have to teach virtually for the rest, you know, for the time being that you know, we would have to address stuff like that at some point. I think a lot of us, myself included, are just hoping like, all right, well, it's, it's not forever. Let's just keep you doing your forms and keep you doing your basics. And then some this other stuff like sparring is going to suffer a little. But when we get back in, you know, we can we can catch everybody back up. There's There's been a lot of things that doing the, the one-on-one lessons that I've been able to do with the instructor have shown me are lacking. And they're not really things that you can do on your own uh, a lot of structure so like feeling where your sword is against another sword in the bind or even when you have somebody in a, a, a very strong slice position if you are doing it on your own you can push over a pell or a tire or whatever on your own and you know just with your own strength but when you're with another person who's actually resisting you, if you don't have your proper structure, you can train wrong and never know it until you get into a sparring match and then someone just pushes you over. Yeah, I mean, that's that's you can you can tongue sudo to a certain degree as far as free sparring. We don't do a lot of clinch work or things like that. But in jujitsu, yeah, it's the same thing. Like I could train a throw, but unless I have like a person actively resisting me. Do you guys... Um... Tim, do you guys walk the stick at all in your dojang? Are you familiar with that exercise? You you take a, an escrima, like a two two to three foot stick, and you put it right at your um, 
Dantian or right of your center and your partner also puts it there. So you're holding the stick up with your, so, uh, with your, with your center there. And then you just walk back and forth across the room and you, the job, your goal is to not drop the stick. So it's, it's keeping you close to a certain extent. If you go too fast, it's going to hurt. And if you go too slow, it, it'll fall. And it just works on keeping your, keeping up with your partner and sparring. So like keep that, keep that distance. But I, no one that reminded me of that, what you were saying. Cause like, that's something like there's, there's no way you could do it. Yeah. Online. Yeah. Right. Measure, yeah. M- measure in sparring is another thing too. If you get too close and somebody knows how to handle that, that's something you can't really train on your own. Yeah. It's kind of like we're just keeping up with the, um, keeping up with the, the endurance and the calisthenics for right now. We're doing a, uh, a bingo board for June, but instead of bingo, it's Kiop. So it's still five letters. <laughs> And it's, you got to get, you got to get five in a row and you have the whole month and it's stuff, it's easy stuff like do your form 10 times or, you know, meditate for 20 minutes. And then there's some, some tough ones like do a hundred kicks in one workout or uh, one was like by the end of the month, log 500 hand techniques on your own or something like that. But just, just little, little challenges for everybody. And then I, I sent it out to everyone, and we had we had levels with it. So like, if you if you want to do the gup level, the the colored belt level, you just get five in a row. If you want to do the the double dragon challenge, you'd get an X on the board. If you want to do like <laughs> the black belt challenge, you like do the whole border of the of the bingo board. So just something to to kind of capitalize on the fact that like we can do stuff online, but you're you're kind of on your own for the time being as far as like how much you're going to practice. Um, but with what I found is that's something you should be doing anyway, right? Like if you're just training when you come into the studio, you're 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 slipping a little bit. And so this is I don't know if opportunity is the right word, but it's it's a chance for me to really nail that home with my students. Like whether we're on lockdown or not, you should still be practicing in your off time, you know, still polishing. Absolutely, and I, I've I've said that it's like look. We've, we've determined you have space to practice at home. <laughs> yeah. So there's no excuse now. Right. And there's really no excuse. You were talking about earlier. I, I'm really fortunate to have quite a few friends that have built up quite a cachet of, of videos. So you're talking about sharing stuff, Nolan. I have quite a few friends. So like my friend Angel and, and Jeff Setianto from Legacy. A lot of, a lot of us, Angel was putting out, you go to impact martial arts on the on YouTube and she was doing, I think 40 to 50 videos a week, uh, various things, kickboxing workouth, you know, youth beginner workouts, intermediate advanced. And for her students or for her like online presence, for online presence. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those where people like, Oh, it's something I've wanted to do for years. It's like, well, now's the time you don't have a choice. You have to do it. And, right. and so she took the uh, opportunity to do it and we, we worked together and we tried to, it's like, okay, if you're doing this video, then I don't need to do it. I'm going to use yours here. This is what I did. You can use mine. So you're kind of building on it. Yeah. We, we did a, around. we did a master series where, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, sh- we shared our videos. We offered people to, to come in our groups and if they wanted to take our class, they can take, you know, take our classes. That's one of the things that it's been cool. I've had the opportunity to have some of my friends and mentors teach class remotely. 
So like my friend Muhammad, took, I'm in Delaware, Nolan, I don't know if you know that. So I have a friend in Utah. So he he's taught like three classes for us from U, from Utah. Uh, Master Robinson, who's up in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, uh, he he taught a class one day, and he taught. You were talking about like the you know different exercises to make him harder. We we, we did so many weird push-ups with him. He did regular push-ups. <laughs> he did like two fingers and a thumb push-up. He did back back of the hand push-ups. Ooh, um, I don't know those. They were hard. I couldn't. I, I, I did. I got one, and then so I. So you like you're the pressing on your wrist bone. Yeah, you're pressing on the wrist bone. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Um. He loves seeing people in pain. I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's really good at it too. So, you know, in, in that respect, it's it's really cool to get you know those people in in front of my students because it's nice to hear a different voice every once in a while. You know. Yeah. Uh, there was a guy. Uh, his name is Bjorn Ruther. He's a he's a pretty well known figure in the HEMA community. Um, he released a video called the thousand cut practice. And it's just, it's a thousand cuts, whatever you want to choose, as long as you're moving your feet and your body in the right direction. Is this that like death by thousand cuts thing where they're all (laughs) tiny? (laughs) There's a thousand of them. Yeah. Um, it's similar to that because it's, it takes about 15 minutes and it's just swinging and doing your cuts a thousand at a time. And, he uh probably a good shoulder workout. Yeah. Yeah, he's an enormous guy. I mean, he's he's probably 3 or 4 inches taller than me and a good 30 or 40 pounds. What's his pounds. name? Bjorn Ruther. He sounds big. He's a very big <laughs> German guy. Yeah. Uh, he's out of Hamburg. Mm. Sounds and, like a um, large name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He sped his video up like 300%. He got it done in like four and a half, five minutes. And uh, I it's like watching a cartoon, somebody doing it that fast, but like you could see even in that sped up speed, by the time he got to like 800 cuts, he's just sitting there like doing the same one over and over again, trying to get done and like moving his feet, putting it on the other side and doing it over. Mm. Like that, that amount of cardio, like sport specific cardio is so much different than just going and running for 15 minutes. Like your, your oh, body sure. doesn't know how to handle it. Yeah, I can, well. I can jog way longer than I can spar. Yeah. yeah. So Nolan, what, what, what type of sword are we talking about? So hang our, on. We've only got like 15 minutes left. We can't, <laughs> I don't know if we can go I'll, down this rabbit hole. I'll do the short version. Yeah. I was going to say uh, Bjorn brother, what sword, what sword was he using for that video? Long sword. So uh two handed steel sword. Um, uh, our club focuses on longsword, but we also teach rapier, and we are trying to fit in uh, side sword and sword and buckler. Um, for a historic perspective, it goes uh, sword and buckler is the oldest, longsword is the next, side sword is the next, rapier is the most new. Um, when you get past rapier, typically there are guns, so um, swords become smaller and smaller until they're small swords that's that's a, a very small rapier that um they would give to like court uh people in the court if they had to carry out an execution they'd kill you with a small sword which had to be extremely painful because it's essentially an enormous three-sided needle <laughs> um yeah not a lot of fun um so it's supposed to be between uh 1100 and 1700 as far as what hema practitioners are concerned about Anything before then, and it's it's kind of like Viking and Roman era swords and shields. 
uh, more spears uh, are, are focused on. And then after that, again, it's it's small swords, handguns, rifles. You're you're into that uh, um, mechanized warfare that they they started getting into in the early 18th century. All right, I thought of a challenge, Nolan. Okay. I'm going to give you a historical figure. you got to tell me which of those swords they're more likely to have used. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. We're not like historical figure, but like just different different people from different different times. Okay. Okay. Um, let's start with Robin Hood. Uh, uh, I would say Sword and Buckler. Uh, Three Musketeers. Brapier. Uh, King Arthur. Longsword. Cortez. The Conqueror of the Indians? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, rapier. Gandalf. Longsword. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Columbus. I, I would give him a telescope and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But Tim, you said you're also into the American Ninja Warrior ethos. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Have you have you had some more time to focus in on that? Are you doing some... Some parkour in the backyard or climbing up on... We did in the beginning of uh, the lockdown, we we built a rock climb. So I love rock climbing. We have a rock gym about 20 minutes away from our house. We've been doing that for the past three years and can't now. So we <laughs> built we built a rock, uh, a rock climbing wall in the basement. We have a pretty big unfinished part. So I got three sheets of plywood, put them up on the wall, bought some holds and so that's been my kind of supplement we have a we have monkey bars in the backyard too pretty big set of monkey bars and we actually i have a 14 foot warped wall in the backyard too which is uh what what is that so uh, it looks like a half pipe so the thing like if you run up it they grab the top of it it's the end of the first challenge on Ninja warrior nice so um can you can you nail it uh, probably not right now. <laughs> and then at our it. at the at the studio we have kind of a, a big foam set up where we put it out. We have the one side has the ceiling that has beams, so I've got we've got monkey bars up there. We have rings that you can traverse across. Nice. So, yeah, I it's fun. More, I need some more gymnastic stuff at, at my studio. It's cool. We have like the big gymnastic style uh, foam stuff mm-hmm. that we you can climb over, do parkour, roll over, jump over. Sweet. Yeah, it's fun. So tell us a little bit about the series of interviews you're running on Facebook. We'll do a little a little cross promotion here. We can we can put stuff in the in the description here. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, kind of like you were saying with Nolan. It it it, it gets uh, inside baseball. <laughs> right. So, you know, our group, World Tongue Sudo Association, I've had this idea for a while. You, I don't know if you were there at the one black belt camp I did a, a talk about our his, the history. So our, our group, Nolan, is broken into regions. Yeah. So, like, we're Region 8. So Region 8 is, like, Mar- some most of Maryland, Delaware, Jersey, some of Pennsylvania, some of New... I don't think any of New York now. Um, okay. So, so did I did a talk on the history of, of that. And when I did that, I interviewed like five or six people. And it was really cool. It was, it was fun to hear their backstory and things like that. So I figured that now that everyone is at home and have the opportunity to, to sit down and talk with people, it's nice to get something on video now once they're 
while they're still around, you know, like the guys have been around since the seventies or even the sixties for, for some guys. I think yesterday I just did my eighth interview. It's usually about an hour long Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it's cool. It's, I started it easy where I interviewed some of my friends, sure, people that I was comfortable with. And then I really went out of my comfort zone. I, I did one with uh, Grandmaster Strong. Oh, cool. And then That's awesome. the one I did yesterday a... was with um, Master Khan. Is a guy from Great Britain. And he's one of those guys doesn't have a Facebook account. Like, doesn't do social media. Good for him. So, <laughs> yeah, right? Kudos to you. Um, do you. Do you have a standard set of questions you go through? Or is it based on each individual? Yeah, you know, you start with the... Tell us about how you started in the martial arts. Mm-hmm. And then I do some research. There's, especially for some of the older masters, like master's profiles out there and things like that, mm-hmm. where I can kind of look and, and, and get some stuff to, to start things going. Sure. So with, with Master Khan, it was interesting. I just sent him an email. I, I, I don't know him personally, but I just it was like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, if I don't ask, it's going to be a no. Yeah. yeah. Shoot your shot, right? So... I sent him an email and he said, yeah, I'd love to. And then I, I, he's like, just send me some questions. So I sent him questions. He's like, Hey, here's my phone number. Call me. I was like, Oh no. <laughs> I look back at the questions. Like, what did I do? <laughs> you know, but it was more, he just wanted to make sure that if we talked, that we talked about certain things and not talked about, not talk about certain things or certain people. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was really cool. It was one of those yeah. where, it was crazy. The most of the interviews that I've done live have maybe twenty or twenty-five people watching yeah. at, at once, and it was like seventy-five to eighty-five for for him. Oh, cool! Um, so this is the guy with no no social media pulls the uh, pulls well, the yeah, it's, it's that like oh my gosh, Master Khan's gonna be you know uh, on, and it it looks like he's got a all the clubs. I think there's like sixty clubs in Great Britain, mm-hmm. and they're they're very loyal and you know, think the world of him. So they came out in force and, you know, That's co- live comments and shared it. It was, it was, it's really cool. Nice. So it, it's been, a, I've learned a lot. Um, it's, it's really cool to hear the history of some of these people that I had no idea about. So where can people find this? Is this on your personal Facebook or on your Dojang's Facebook or how, how I, people- I do share it on my personal yeah. one. Um, yeah, it's, I'm doing them all through the, it's evolution karate Academy. So mm-hmm. if you, you go to Evolution Karate Academy, it's on there. There's also a group, if you search Meet the Masters, mm-hmm. there's a group of, I think, four or five of us that are, once Jeff and I did the first one together, and then a couple other guys were like, hey, that's a great idea. Can, you know, you don't care if I do it too. And it's like, yeah, the more the merrier. Mm-hmm. So uh, you go to Meet the Masters, there's quite a few. There's probably, I don't even know, probably close to 30 interviews on there at this point. Um, cool. With various guys. Have have you set up any of these interviews thinking that you were going to get a lot of information out of the specific master and then the interview kind of went off the rails? Like you're talking to one of the older guys and he just goes off on a tangent about a story that he's had for 30 years that he's got to tell? Uh, no, I, I think a lot of them have, are pretty measured when it comes to those things and are very cognizant of of knowing that it's live and yeah that's there's a big difference there yeah, joking yeah. with somebody over dinner or like 
the whole world could watch it. Right. <laughs> there were a couple times where Ma- the Master DeMarco was like, well, I don't think I'll share that story. <laughs> <laughs> That's wisdom right there. That's wisdom talking. That's right. <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, we'll put we'll put links in the description, all that stuff. So if anybody you know in the audience is not a Tong Sudo practitioner, wants to check it out, uh, go to check out uh, Master Watson's page and and take a listen to those interviews. A lot of a lot of great stuff from a lot of very very learned and experienced masters in the association and from all over. I did one Master Marker from Sweden. Like I said, I did get the guy from Great Britain. Uh, Master Hutchinson from Florida, Master Tracy from Chicago, Master Grandmaster Strong's in Alabama. Very so cool. well, that's great. Well, well, good luck. Are you going to try to keep it up once things are returning back to normal? I think so. Yeah, I, I was actually talking to Grandmaster Strong about doing one on his book about Grandmaster Shin, mm-hmm. and uh, talking to him about the process. Yeah. Any cool interviews? You know, things that he found. Any stories that he he couldn't share in the book. Now, I I did have one question for you, Nolan. You were talking about do you have you been able to do much solo training? Um, the reason why I asked that, one of my friends, uh, Mike Partee, he's a he's a Hapkido practitioner, kind of. I, I mean, he he did he did Aikido for years, and a lot of the stuff he does is from Aikido, but they also do a lot of footwork practice with the sword. So they yeah. they use a katana and they'll do a lot. They'll start class with you know just a wooden practice sword and they'll just go down the floor and do a lot of cuts that way. And so I always thought that was really cool and it's a very useful skill. You know, for us it translates great. So you know, what what kind of stuff are you doing at home? Uh, so I have uh, a fairly nice sized backyard for Florida. And um, I scare the hell out of my neighbors because I swing my sword around uh, a couple of times a week. Um, yeah, I, I try and get a Florida man, like Florida man. Yeah. <laughs> Florida man swings sword around backyard. That's not <laughs> special, you know. What I, mean? I tried to ex- I tried to explain that to Aaron what Florida man was. <laughs> she was like, "Yeah, I don't." I mean, just bring her down for a week, and you'll meet a Florida man, and then you won't have to explain it. We're actually supposed um, to be coming down in June, so we'll see. Oh, cool! What, where where are y'all heading? Universal. Oh, nice. So we'll see. <laughs> There's a HEMA school in Orlando. Is there? Um, yeah, Scott Brown. He's he's a great guy. If you wanted to just show up and, and say that you knew someone from Jacksonville, he'd give you a lesson. It's He's he's a very good instructor. He does a totally different set of things than uh, what our school does, though. Cool. Um, but yeah, no, I, footwork, footwork in transition is what I've been working on the most because those are some of the, the best individual drills that you can work on. Um, overlooked a lot yeah in the, yeah, in the oh, studio definitely. right um, because when you are sparring it's all about who gets the first hit and that doesn't necessarily mean who gets the cleanest hit um, in theory if you have the best footwork and you've positioned yourself and you've gotten your blade in, in the correct position all of that falls into place and you land the first hit because your structure is good your footwork is good your blade placement is good so a, a lot of what I've been doing is is similar to the training that you're talking about. Um, I, I've been trying to work on my Pell, which is, a, again, just my wooden dummy, thinking of it as sort of a cylinder, because a lot of the cuts that we do, you don't want to walk directly into the person. 
So a lot of it is taking steps offline and retreating past them, but making sure that you are covering their blades. So it's a lot of a lot of footwork and moving your hips and changing where your shoulders are, putting your hands in the right spot. But if you don't have your structure from your feet up, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. So in a roundabout term, yes, I'm working on footwork a lot. That's that's mainly what I focus on. It's, it's almost like stances are important across all martial arts. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they're all they're all different for every single sword that we practice. The the positioning for your feet for rapier versus side sword, which are very similar swords, the footwork is, I wouldn't say completely different, but it's different enough that you don't want to get them confused in a fight. You you said something that I say to, I say to people all the time: be first, right? It doesn't matter what it is, you know. Don't wait. Just be first. Attack first. Whether it's a punch, a kick, whatever it is, get your technique to them first. Don't hesitate. So I, you know, it's cool that that obviously translates across martial arts. Yeah, for for something that is, and Brent and I talked about this on a, a different episode. Um, Tang Soo Do was developed because a lot of weapons in Korea were taken away during the Japanese occupation. Yep. We were talking about how a, a lot of the martial arts in Europe are focused on weapons because nobody ever took weapons away. <laughs> so it it is interesting to see that completely different techniques, uh, you know, Italy and Germany that had hundreds of years to develop how to use a sword are still very similar to people on the other side of the globe hundreds of years later having to train themselves how to fight against people with swords was that a question or are you no that was that was okay. just, uh, it was just <laughs> that was a statement <laughs> okay like like brent said very yang lots of, lots of <laughs> moving forward and, and hoping people <laughs> come along with it come along come join right. me <laughs> cool well shall we shall we move it to a close sure okay um so I want to thank everybody for joining in this month, uh, Master Tim Watson. Thank you for joining us for this interview. We've had a we've had a real good time checking out your history and hearing about how things are going for you guys up in Region Eight. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. So if you are interested in hearing more of our stuff, uh, anybody out there, you can go to finalplank.com or search Final Plank on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we've got a lot of other shows on the network that are not as uh, not as nonfiction as this one. Uh, kind of delve into some other other areas. So if you need some time to kill, uh, if you got some time to kill for your lockdown, check it out. Um, I have been your Eastern martial arts enthusiast, Brent Lacey. I have been your Western martial arts enthusiast, Nolan Lacey. This has been Martial Parts, the podcast where we talk about different parts of martial arts, and we will see you all next month. Bye. Bye. Martial Parts is produced by Brent and Nolan Lacey. Theme music was composed by Jared Bookbinder. Martial Parts is a production of Final Plank Media.